If you have your Bibles, please take them out and we will turn to the book that we've been going through, the book of Philippians. And uh, today we'll be looking at uh, Philippians 1 verse 20. 1 verse 20. Philippians 1 verse 20. And this is what it says. According to my earnest expectation and hope, that, not, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. We started, we looked at this scripture two weeks ago, and uh, we covered the first half um, and today we'll be covering the second half of this uh, scripture. Um, but just a quick recap as to what we covered the, in the, in, uh, two weeks ago. So that scripture starts off by saying, this is Paul writing to the Philippian church uh, whilst he was in prison. And he starts off by saying here, according to, and that according to means that it, it was part of his norm. It, it's how Paul lived his life. Um, this was his, uh, the norm that he expected and lived as, as an individual, even in prison and outside of prison as well. This was his uh, spiritual aspiration. Then he carries on and says, um, according to my earnest expectation, and this earnest expectation that he mentions here is an intense term for concentration. We mentioned that we learned that there's a concentration in, in what he was saying. It means to anticipate by watching very carefully for something. This word was used in, um, in, a, guard, in a guarding term. So in, in the army, the guards, uh, they uh, um, have an earnest expectation as they're looking out for the enemy. They are concentrating. This, these guards strain to see the enemy. They wait for and look out for any slight movement that uh, the enemy might present. And so there are, we ask the question, well, what was Paul so um, intensely concentrating upon? He's in prison. He's not in, in a war. He's not, he's not looking out for enemies as, as we would understand. He's in prison. So what was he concentrating upon? And the answer was that he wanted to magnify Christ in his life. He wanted to magnify Christ in his life. He made the statement that very few people can focus and concentrate for long periods of time. Very few of us do that. And then we made the statement that a quality Christian life takes concentration. To live a quality Christian life that we called to live today takes concentration. A Christian who does not focus upon orientating every aspect of his or her life toward Christ will live with short-term, short-sighted and limited ends in view. And we, as we continued, we looked, we made a statement and I asked us to think of all our failures. Remember that? Uh, think of all, our, all the times that we have failed 
We have questions. I should have done this. I should have studied more. I should have done that. Uh, it would be different if I did that. And uh, give us 10 seconds. And I uh, asked for the next 10 seconds, uh, seconds, please think of all the things that you should have done, all the failures that come up to your mind. And uh, I looked at the crowd and it looked as though you guys were quite concentrating. And then I cut it. Uh, and then Wesley says, thankfully you cut it, others would have been there the whole, the whole day thinking of all the failures. And the reason for that exercise was to uh, point, drive this point home that the failures that we've had in our lives and us thinking and lamenting upon them are absolutely futile. I said that it means absolutely not. Yes, you can look back because uh, we learn from our failures, but us remaining in that place does nothing. It adds nothing to our lives and actually takes away from us. Um, and then actually, what we need, from learning from that, we should actually uh, take the, those learnings and almost propel ourselves into the future. We should use our lives at the moment to set up a platform for the future. Yes, guilt may permeate us, but actually thinking and, and lamenting and, and holding ourselves there doesn't add to our lives. The past is the past. It cannot change. And I said, guess what? We can change the future. We can change the future. There is hope, especially for us who know Christ. This hope is one that drives us to live with an eternal uh, view. Not a now view only. We live looking outward, looking forward to the future that God has for us. And that's where we ended. I hope that I did a, a, a justice in my, my recapping. And so now we continue. So at the end of this uh, verse says, So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Now Paul writes to the Philippian church, as I said, whilst he's in prison, and he's got this passion in him. He's encouraging those who are free. Uh, and one has to ask themselves, what, what gave him such passion? What exercise? What, what drove him to, to be so passionate about this, this gospel that he was uh, preaching and talking about? What actually gave him the courage to write and encourage people? And uh, if we, as we have gone through this passage of scripture, we've realized it can only be Christ. It, only, it can only be Christ and his motive, his purpose. He wanted to make Christ big in his life, big in his life. This gentle father that uh, was reminded about, uh, us about this morning, he is gentle, yet he is he's the lion of Judah. We know how lions, uh, those are vicious creatures, aren't they? Yet he's a lamb that was slain. He's gentle, but he's powerful. This is what drove Paul to encourage his fellow prisoners, the elite guard in, the, in prison, and the, the church at large in Rome. He carries on. He says, so now also. Now means that whilst he's in prison, he is um, wanting to make 
Christ big. He wanted Christ to be magnified in his body. In his body, he wanted Christ to be magnified. He says, um, now, even whilst I'm prison, even though I'm bound, I still want to make my God big. I still want to exalt him. I still want to present him as a, as a magnificent being that he is to everyone else. And the only way that this man was able to have such a drive, I believe, is that he spent time with Christ. He spent time with him. He spent time uh, alone in the prison um, and just engaged and just prayed and just spent time with him and learning and hearing and, and doing all those wonderful things that we ought to. In fact, as Christians, if we want to have a successful Christian life, we need to be close to Jesus. Uh, we need to be close to Jesus. Jesus himself would say that he only does what he sees the Father doing. He only says that which he hears the Father saying. Now you can't do that if you don't, you're not close to the Father, you're not close to someone. I can't, I can't say I only do what Kath says or what she does if I'm not close to her, unless she phones me. But... Um, you have to be close to whoever. You have to be close to someone. And this was Paul's life. He says, Christ will be magnified in my body. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body. Verse 18, earlier on, uh, speaks about Christ is preached. This verse, verse 20, is an, is an advance on that. Christ will be magnified. See, Christ's priest in verse 18 has to do with words. Christ magnified now in verse 20 has to do with works. Now, as Christians, sometimes I think we hear the word works and we're thinking, uh, yes, you don't have to work for your salvation, but there's a work that God says in Ephesians, Ephesians He has prepared for us to walk into and it's a delight for us to walk into. We get fulfilled and we get um, um, passionate and we get uh, uh, almost riled up because of the work that he has prepared for us. It's not a drag. It's not uh, a must. It's just you walk into and you get fulfilled because he has prepared good works for us. See, it's not a, a question of either or, but of both and. And the trouble is, we can't get out of balance either way. We can speak the gospel, but not live the gospel. We can live the gospel, but not speak the gospel. See, the word magnify here means to make great, to enlarge, to praise we get our English word megaphone from this word. A megaphone makes your voice big, right? I mean, we, we know that. A magnifying glass makes print big. Small print makes it big. We, as Christians, are to make Jesus big with our life and our lips. You remember verse 7 of, of Philippians 1. Uh, we learned that we defend the gospel with our lips. 
Now as we preach the gospel with our lips, but we confirm the gospel with our lives. So we preach, but then we confirm what we preach with our lives. Uh, you, I mean, for, for us, I'm, I'm sure we have heard this statement. Hey, practice that which you preach. We drive that between each other. You know, if I look at a Christian and he's behaving like he or she shouldn't be behaving, we are quick to say, practice what you preach. Isn't that true? But then the question is, how then do we defend and confirm this gospel? Because um, it's clear the gospel is defended by, with our words, but confirmed with our works. It's one thing to speak the gospel, it is yet another to live it out. To live it out. So two things need to be done with the gospel. For you, for Paul, for all Christians when it comes to the gospel, two things need to be done. The first is we need to affirm or to defend it. And then the second is to confirm it. To confirm the gospel means to ratify it, to reinforce it, to underscore it. We give, we give credence to the gospel when we live the gospel. People are inclined to believe the gospel if they can see a demonstration of someone living the gospel. No, we, we often, as parents, we will say that um, children don't do that. Or, uh, you know, we, we, we try to teach by our voices. We say, you mustn't do this. Yet, maybe we find ourselves doing the very thing that we, don't, we are telling our kids not to. And I've heard a statement that is said that our kids don't necessarily learn from um, hearing but they learn more from watching. They catch what we do, not what we say half the time. Yes, of course, when you say it and you do it, it is even more powerful. And it's the same for us as Christians. We want to go and preach the gospel to the world, yet our lives don't align to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what has the gospel done for you? A person who doesn't know Christ would ask, okay, so you're preaching the gospel. What has it done for you? What has it done for you? Has the gospel transformed your way of living? You know where you were. The gospel has come into your, your, your life. Jesus Christ has come and saved you. He has, uh, uh, how has he transformed your life? How can you, how can you show me that I've this has happened. Some change has taken place. Did the gospel ever help you, actually? And you would say, yes, yes, it has. It has. And then the person would say, then tell me how. In fact, show me how. <laughs> you can tell me how, and I uh, will kind of believe what you're saying, but actually, if you show me how by the way you live your life, it, it, it holds more weight than you just telling me. This is what it means to bear testimony. To confirm the gospel means to report what the gospel did for you and I. Before I became a Christian, I was this and that. 
But now that I'm a Christian, I am this way and that way. That is what is, uh, it, it means to confirm the gospel. So Paul continues in this uh, passage of scripture. It says, Christ will be magnified in my body. The word magnified in the Greek means that Christ receives magnification by our action. Christ receives magnification by our action. Not necessarily just by our words. Yes, he receives glory when we proclaim. But man, he receives even more glory when we live according to what he says. So there are two types of magnification. The first is microscope and the second is telescope. The microscope makes the little seem, seem big. But this is not the picture here. The telescope makes the actually big loom bigger. The telescope makes the, the it makes it bigger, it looks bigger as, as it were. And our task as Christians is to bring the proportions of who Jesus truly is to the fore, to the uh, to, to to make him big in our lives so that others can see him. They, they can see how our lives actually support what we are preaching. Our lives actually support what we believe. Mary used this word when she said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. This is when Mary was told that she will bear a child. She will be a child. And her response was, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. See, it is easy to magnify the Lord in your soul than in your body. It's easy to glorify God in your soul than in your body. And I can see your thoughts and you're, you're asking, well, why do you say that? Well, I'll tell you why I say that. No one sees your soul, but everyone sees your body. No one sees your soul. The inner parts of what's happening in you, we can't see that. Only you and God know what's going on. But we can see how you behave. We can see your body language. We can see how your attitude is work. We can see that. And so you're telling me you love Jesus. It caused me to love, but you're not loving me. It's a contradiction. We can see it. See, Paul wanted Christ to be magnified in his body. The soul and spirit shine through the body. In other words what the body does. Remember what 1 Corinthians 6.13 says to us. It reminds us that food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. But God will destroy both. 
We work so hard to get to feed our tummies. We, uh, but we've been created like that. So we work hard, but God will destroy the, <laughs> the, the stomach that we work hard for. He will, he will destroy that. The food that we eat in the stomach that eat, functions, makes the, the, the food work. He will destroy, uh, destroy both, one and the other. Now the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and for the Lord. Sorry, but, the, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So our bodies are meant or created by God and they are for Him. He says when He saves us, He lives in us as Christians. He says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not up there in heaven, just chilling or watching over and looking after the world. No, no, He's with, he's with us. You know, I heard uh, a preacher saying, um, often we will, we will pray for, for healing or we'll go and do, you know, we'll be ministers on earth. We, we, are, the, we are the feet and hands and mouth and all of Christ. And the, this guy says, this preacher says, you get guys who are waiting for God to do something or healing to come to take place. And uh, he says, when he goes to pray for someone, guess what? Jesus is visiting that someone. That someone receives a healing because that man was there. You go pray for whoever is a Christian, Jesus, you're representing Jesus. And so Jesus will use you to bring healing upon that person or whatever the case might be. But we're looking for something, something to, but actually we, God says the, he lives in us. He lives in us through his son, Jesus Christ. Through, by his spirit, he lives in us. So we can exercise these things because we walk as ones that he has called. See, God is concerned with the body as well as the soul. And we should exercise care for the body as well as the soul. If, here's an example. So if we, if we all understand cars, we know in a setting that we don't understand our cars function, but if we have a car and we, uh, we find ourselves changing the oil and tuning up the engine, uh, we're making the, 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 uh, the, the engine and, and the inside of the car looking nice, but we do not wash or wax the, the outside of the car uh, or the inside, you know, it's all got stains. We don't take care of the inside, but we take care of the engine itself only. Um, and forget about the exterior of our car. That is actually an imbalance. Yet, if we wash the outside, we look after the outside, uh, we... We, we, we take care of that, but we don't, we neglect the engine, neglect to care for the engine. That is actually a distortion. There's an imbalance. You, you cannot just look after the engine and forget about the rest of the car. Neither can you just look after the car and forget about the engine. There's an imbalance. You need to look after both of them. And um, um, it's true for us as Christians. If we care for our body, but not our soul that will distort our spirituality. If we nurture our soul, but not tend to our body's activities, that will distort 
our testimony. Jesus should be magnified both in spirit, soul, and our bodies. And our bodies. Some Christians spend an awful amount of time looking after the spiritual aspect of life and forget about their bodies. But actually, to the world, what testimony are you giving to the world if you're not looking after yourself? There's some wonderful people here who run and love running. That's looking after the bodies. <laughs> but they also look after their spiritual needs, which is amazing. There's not an imbalance. There has to be a balance. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says that, For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Both of them belong to God, your body and your spirit. Paul continues and says, That he, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Now here we come to two alternatives. If Paul was to die at the hands of the executioner whilst he was in prison, he still wanted Jesus to be seen as big in his life. In that situation, he still wanted Jesus to be magnified. And he looked for every opportunity in the prison, in his circumstance, to make Jesus big. If Paul should continue to live, he tried to make Jesus grand to everyone he met. So we, can, we, we learn from Paul. Paul's our, our example. How are we magnifying Jesus in our day-to-day lives. How are you magnifying Jesus in your day-to-day life? How are you, what situation are you in? Are you looking for opportunities to make him big? Or do you allow for life circumstances to be bigger than him? Remember, that which you focus on becomes big in your life. So let's focus on him who gives us life. Him who tells us that he owns the body and the spirit, yet he doesn't control it, doesn't lord himself over us, gives us the freedom to choose. See, God's purpose for us as believers is to make what is truly magnificent about the Lord Jesus loom even more magnificent. So we know that the Lord Jesus is great. There's, there are many things that we can, we can, we can testify of, of His greatness. But our, part of our, our, our calling is to make it even bigger. To make it not fake, but bigger because you've experienced it, because you know who He is. God wants us to glorify Him under any contingency under any eventuality, under any incident. Now that's a hard statement to make, but it is true. Whether by life or by death, Paul was determined that he will make Jesus Christ 
big in every situation, whether he gets taken out, executed, or whether he continues to live life um, in Rome, he was still determined to make Jesus big, to magnify him, to use this telescope and make him big to the world. But again, it's because he yielded to the Holy Spirit. He yielded to God. He had a personal relationship with him. It's not a put-on relationship. It is not a told relationship. You have to, you have to. No, it's an, it's an experienced relationship. He had a, a, a relationship, a real relationship with his Savior. So I leave us with these two questions. Do you want your body to be a magnifying glass to the Lord, uh, for the Lord Jesus? Do you want your body? Do you want your life? Body, you want to say body, not necessarily your body, but your whole being. Do you want your life to be a magnifying glass for the Lord Jesus? Do you want to make him big to the world? Not just a life-size bigness, but a king-size bigness. Because you know who you believe in. You know who you follow. You've got a relationship with him. Will you look for every opportunity in every situation, circumstance that you are in to make him big? See, if we magnify Jesus, people will be attracted to him and embrace him as their savior. People will sit up and take notice of him. By this, we will enhance the world's estimation of our Lord. God wants to be glorified. God wants to be glorified both in life while we're here and in death. So we've got an opportunity whilst we are, we afforded this life to glorify Him. And so our task is to ask God every opportunity we get, help us to make you big. Help us to make you big. And notice I say help us. Because we are humans and we tend to become inward focused. We need to be outward focused. Outward focused. This is our king. You remember Jesus says, uh, when he was going to get uh, crucified, he says to the father, Father, if it's possible, please, please take this cup away. Okay. Can I not drink of this cup? He knew he was going to get executed. And he says, but please, if it's possible, please let me not drink of this cup. But he ends off by saying, not my will, Father, but your will be done. Not your will. I mean, not my will, but your will. And I wonder whether that statement, if we kind of try and live our lives like it. God, I'm doing this. I, I know I'm, I need to do this and it's hard or whatever. But actually, can you not? Please, stop this. Help me, whatever. Uh, but actually, not my will, but your will, Father. Because God wants to be exalted and needs to be exalted. So in closing, I'm going to make a hard statement 
But this statement is directed toward me first and then to the church. There is no excuse for not glorifying God in death or under extreme duress in our lives. That we have no excuse for not glorifying God in any circumstance that we find ourselves in. Whether you are sick, uh, you've been blown with sickness, whatever the case is, or you have lots or you have not, we have no excuse for not glorifying God in, in our lives. You can ask us to close our eyes. I'm going to pray. Father, Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, for myself and for our family this morning that you'd help us, God, to make you big in our lives. That, Lord, our lives would represent you in the way that they, it's all to represent you. Thank you for your mercy, your love and your grace upon us. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. I pray, Lord, that we'd find every and any opportunity to glorify you. It will not look so inward, but we will be outward focused in every way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.